Welcome back to Reading for a Change. I'm excited to jump right back into our conversation with Hannah Anderson. We're sticking to the topic of character building. And last time, if you recall, we discussed Hannah's excellent new book, All That's Good, which is about discernment. So let's dive right back in. And I want to start by exploring how character formation relates to something that's very top of mind for me these days, and that's raising kids. I had this kind of naive belief that my kids would just, you know, hey, I had kids, we're Christians, we're taking them to church, uh, we're, you know, really committed and serious about our faith. They'll just get it. They'll just kind of like automatically uh, get it by osmosis. Uh, and then you realize, no, I we got to catechize these little creatures, <laughs> you know? um, to use a Catholic word. It's not really, but you know, um, you got to train them up. And I think that's true of people, not just kids, but throughout your life, uh, you need to be on, you know, of course it's empowered by God's spirit. Um, it has to be directed ultimately towards loving others and glorifying God. Like you said earlier, the, the, the ends are not incidental. They have to be holy and aligned with God's purposes. But in that, there is a striving after godliness. And I just personally, I want to see in my own life and the life of the people around me, hopefully, that every year we look a little more like Jesus. I mean, we're never going to get all the way there. But you would hope that as we follow after Jesus, we'll look a little more like him, a little less selfish every year, a little more discerning, a little wiser. Um, That's, I guess, the $10 word for that is sanctification, right? Just that lifelong imperfect, uh, two steps forward, one step back process of looking a little more like Jesus. And character formation is, at least to my mind, an inescapable part of that. Right. And and I think, again, it's the question of, are we just trying to get to a certain end with our children? Are we just trying to get them to make certain choices? Or are we concerned with their holistic formation that why they make certain choices or how they make those choices are just as important to us as the end that they reach? And Mm -hmm. I think that process, at least I've found, um, can be a lot more unsettling to us as parents to give the space that is needed for true growth and maturation. Um, And I remember even just in the last year or so having – conversations. Uh, My daughter is 15. Um, She's been in public school the majority of her life. And so she's, she's seen a lot of things. She's had a lot of exposure to stuff. And as a parent, I'm trying to guide her through that, help her discern, help her sort through what's good, what's not good. What are the uh, goals that God has for us? How do they conflict with what you're existing in and what you see? And there have been times where she's expressed opinions to me, And I just catch my breath and I go, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) try not to look surprised, right? (laughs) And I have to actively talk myself down and say, this is a 15 year old girl. Hmm. She does. She has not fully formed this opinion yet. Let's get to the heart of the issue with her. Let's find Uh, out why she thinks this. Let's work through this together. And I know as a parent, it's so scary to think about um, raising children, trying to guide them toward a certain end. And you're so tempted to just take shortcuts so you can get them to that place that you want them to be at. But the process of the the character formation, the, the virtue, the actual spiritual development 
is going to require that we trust God through that process and not just try to force something, um, but work with, you know, our children. And the thing I do with my kids is I say, whoa, this is like, oh, that's a nice, okay. (laughs) And then I try to regulate myself and I say, why do you think that? And then they'll explain and I'll say, well, what if I added this piece of information and and I'll give them a biblical principle that I think they haven't incorporated into their thought process. And I say, how does this principle from the scripture change what you've been thinking? Oh, that's good. Oh, okay. And, And so most of the time I've found as my kids get older, a lot of times it's just they are young. They don't have sufficient information, but when I give it to them, and I show them in scripture things that they may not know. Suddenly, they're having to wrestle with that themselves huh. instead of just giving them the right answer or just giving them the easy answer. Oh, that's so true and so hard because it requires a lot of restraint as a parent rather than just coming down and going, no, you're wrong. This is how it is. Um, that That's fascinating. I'm reading a book right now uh, called Range. Uh, Oh, I'm going to forget the subtitle. I don't have it in front of me. Something about why generalists uh, thrive in a world of specialists, something like that. Anyway, but he he unpacks this fascinating research on how kids learn. And I remember like one of the studies was looking at uh, kids, um, I forget the exact grade, but in uh, math class, when they had teachers that would give them the formulas, kind of, you know, just show them exactly how to solve problems those kids would test better at the end of the year than teachers that made them stumble through and discover the formulas for themselves. But then if they would fast forward like two or three years, test the kids again. And the ones that had to stumble through it, it was a much slower learning process and kind of, you know, figure it out for themselves, so to speak, retained like three times as much as the ones that were just given the formulas. Anyway, I think that just applies to a lot of areas of life, even spiritual formation. It does. And especially in parenting, because I tell you, you know, we're in ministry and it is so hard to not feel the pressure for my kids to be something, oh, right? To have yeah. the right answer, to know the Bible verses, to, and and to be able to come to a place with, yeah, I'm raising a bunch of pagans, but <laughs> we're working on it. <laughs> and to be comfortable and at peace and trusting the Lord that you're in process um, yes. and really just shutting out the kind of um, voices that might get in your head that tell you, no, your kid needs to do this or be conformed to this, or people are judging you, they're judging your kid. Um, and being willing to let the Holy Spirit and Christ be more central to that process of formation for them. Hmm. And ultimately for yourself, too, because you're trusting, you have to trust Christ in those spaces instead of just, right. you know, performance. Oh, yeah. And if you do emphasize, especially, I mean, I'm, I'm a pastor's kid. I know how this works. And I, for so many of the PKs that I know, if there was that strong emphasis on performance and kind of superficially just looking good and playing the part, that's incredibly toxic for people's faith. 
So I'm so glad that you're taking a different approach when it comes to raising your kids. And I understand the temptations, you know, of wanting them to look perfectly uh, for the congregation. But no, that's essential. And thank God that, you know, none of us are the same person we were maybe at 10 or 15 or 20 (laughs) years old, right? Uh, We're all in process all the time, but especially when we're young, uh, we're not frozen there. And so to understand that, to acknowledge it, to make some space for it is huge. Well, okay, that's that's awesome. I didn't even intend to go into the parenting thing, but I'm so glad we did. I think, you know, we both have, what you said you had three kids, is that right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I got three too. We just had um, um, our third, uh, child, uh, Sophia, oh, uh, nine months ago. Wisdom. Thank you. Yes. Yes. There you go. See, I love that. See, when, when I in- tell, um, her name to people that aren't believers, they don't really get that, but yeah. <laughs> Christians are like, yeah, wisdom. They get it right away. Um, anyway, and she was, uh, I'm going to be totally honest, a total surprise awesome surprise. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're, we thought we were kind of done with that phase and we're back into the baby phase, but we're just loving it. And it is really just the greatest privilege of my life to get to raise these these uh, sweet children, most of the time, sweet mm. children. <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm, I'm glad we got to talk about that a little bit. Okay. Now this is going to be an awkward segue because I'm going to talk about something that's totally different and a little bit weird. Okay. No, no, so I this is to... a good segue. This is children, <laughs> totally different <laughs> and right. a little bit weird. You're right. Oh, man. See, I blew it. I should have used that. I should have said, you know, speaking of things that are a little bit weird, like children, I'm going to move into this. So I thought it'd be fun, though, in this podcast to have a little section where we talk about something that's like being discussed online, uh, some quirky, odd story, uh, usually from social media that kind of relates to faith. And I found one and I'm going to warn you, it's weird. Okay. And you may have seen this. Let me know if you did. Okay, so there's a video floating around the interwebs, um, uh, Twitter mainly, um, about it's this middle-aged woman who's sitting behind a table of some kind. I think she's like at a conference or something. And she has one of those big monster energy drinks. Do you know what I mean? These these drinks, it's kind of like a Red Bull. Right. Yes. And, um, and they're like just, you know, they have like 10 times as much caffeine as coffee or something crazy, right? Do not advise drinking too many of those. Um, anyway, but she has this, this incredible explanation for the design and the letters on the can. And she, in this video, she decodes what it means. So on the Monster Energy can, there are three big scratch marks down it, okay? Like a dinosaur has scratched it or something. But to her, she explains, these are not scratch marks. They're actually Hebrew letters, um, the Hebrew letter uh, Bob, which, and this is where it gets spooky, okay, if you're ready, she explains is also the number six in Hebrew. And there are three of these on the can, which, of course, is six, 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 six. Then she points out, as if that wasn't enough, okay, if you're still not convinced, she points out that the O in the word monster has a, a kind of a line through it. It looks like a cross. And there's nothing wrong with a cross. But then when you tip up the can and you take a drink, what do you have? An upside down cross. Mm. So <laughs> um, I, I, it was hilarious. It, it's gotten like a gazillion And I'm going to take like, that yeah. one further. Okay. We all yes. know. That monster is simply a synonym for the beast. See? There it is. Hey, I wrote the book on discernment. I got this down. (laughs) 
I don't know if that might be a, I don't know if that's a good sales pitch for your book. <laughs> no, but it's a good, it's a good example of how we often talk about discernment in wrong ways, uh, right? It's this right. secret hidden thing that nobody else can see, but yes. we can. Yes, you know, and you we, can get we off on understand that, right? yeah. what the rest of the world cannot see. And, and so oh. sometimes we think of that as discernment, but sometimes no, it's just right. a lady on YouTube. Sometimes just <laughs> lady on YouTube acting a little kooky. Um, you're absolutely right. But I think you're. It, it's true. Like uh, th- that's what the Gnostics were into, right? They love to, uh, salvation was achieved by discovering the Gnosis, the secret knowledge that, you know, the the rest of the rabble didn't have access to. And I think there are a lot of Christians, I mean, not just when it comes to silly, you know, things like this, but they approach scripture and life that way. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, if I can just kind of find this weird, spooky interpretation, it kind of puts them on a different spiritual plane. Um, anyway, so I thought that was just silly. It, it also kind of took me back a little bit to my childhood because there were a lot of like strange yes. end times antichrist. Yes, and like conspiracy <laughs> theorists. So yes. like my favorite <laughs> ones are the conspiracy theories about government. And how there are these deep, you know, state, you know, players and all this stuff. And, and, you know, I've been to the DMV. There is no grand conspiracy. (laughs) They're doing it poorly if there is, right? (laughs) I work, you know, I file my taxes every, there is no grand conspiracy. The government, our government is not efficient enough to be able to subvert the the entire world. That's just is hilarious. I think you're right there. Yes. And so, yeah, there were, there were a lot of uh, crazy theories like that in my life growing up. I remember my one friend telling me, he said, never say what you're most scared of out loud because Satan will hear it. And when the Antichrist rounds up all the Christians, he's going to use that to make you renounce your faith. So I thought I'd pass that on. I don't know, you know, uh, just in case you may not want to Articulate your greatest fears. Yeah, you can think them. You can think them. You can think them. You can think them. Obsess over them if you want. Just don't (laughs) say it. Don't say it out loud. Out loud. You heard it here first. We warned you. Okay. Yes, that was a little strange, but I had fun anyway. Um, Last thing I want to do, Hannah, and you know this is coming. I I want to ask you what is a book that really changed you, just Mm -hmm. made a huge impact on your life, and I got to say, you can't say the Bible because that's just like cheating and it's a Jesus joke too. Um, (laughs) But yeah, is there a book that kind of, you know, and it's not like, oh, this was the best book ever maybe, but it just made a big impact on you personally. Yeah. And I really appreciate you giving me a heads up about this because like I said, I mean, I've grown up around books. Books have been part of my life forever. And I think they all shape us in some way, right? They all, Hmm. and so much so that you don't even realize what's changing. So as I was thinking about this question, I thought, well, what book do I go back to? You know, what do I reread on a regular basis? Because that's when I know a book has become important to me. Um, I kind of have a short attention span, not not real great (laughs) with rereading books, but if there is one that will capture my attention, I can reread it. That's, I know that book has changed me and has gotten deep into my heart. And one that I reread regularly is um, Cry the Beloved Country by Alan Patton. And oh, this yeah. is a mid-century, mid-20th century novel based in what is now South Africa, um, dealing with questions of apartheid, 
Um, it has a beautiful um, Christian angle to it. Um, one of the central figures is um, a, a bishop, uh, a Zulu bishop who goes down to the big city. He's, he lives out in the village and he goes down to the big city um, of Johannesburg to recover um, his sister who has kind of gone into a, a life of prostitution. And while he's down there, um, there is a, a murder of a white man and it, it just kind of racks the whole um, city and country. And it turns out that the, the bishop's son um, has been part of that. And so it's wow. just this wrestling with um, his finding his son, trying to get uh, legal representation, trying to achieve justice in the midst of this completely unjust society, and trying to preserve faith in the midst of that. And I was trying mm. to think about why that book was so... Um, why it shaped me so much, why I returned to it. And I think it's probably because it was one of the first books I read that showed me the world in a complicated way. A lot of the oh, books I read in, in childhood and high school were great, loved them, classics, but everything resolved really well. You know, there's a kind uh -huh. of happy ending. Um, and Cry of Loved Country does not have a happy ending, but it has a hopeful ending. And I think it was one of the first times I saw these Christian truths played out in a world that has both black and white, both darkness and light, both um, mm. good and bad, side by side. And so it's a very heartbreaking novel, and yet there is goodness throughout it. And, and I think, especially for those of us who may have grown up with an overly simplified explanation of the world, that, you know, you follow these rules and your life will be okay. Um, this was one of the first books that taught me life is really complicated. It's really broken. There are forces outside of your control. And yet there are things you choose that affect you. And at the end of the day, what we have is faith in God and love for our neighbor and the hope that God is restoring the earth. And it's not like an explicitly gospel-centered book, but it is it is rich in these themes that um, you know reflect the character of God. Huh. That is beautiful. Thank you. I've got another book to add to my to read list now. That's amazing. It sounds like it's kind of timely too, just given the racial strife and polarization we have in our culture right now. Um, thank you for that. That sounds like not an easy book, but a, a important one. Well, that takes us to the end of our time. I think we're, yeah, we, I was kind of shooting for about 45, 50 minutes. Let me just uh, give uh, listeners a quick preview of what's coming next. Um, we're going to be talking to Mark Sayers, uh, who's an Australian author. He's got a new book that just came out recently called Reappearing Church. An absolutely fascinating guy. I had lunch with him recently, and he just has a way of, he's just one of the best people at analyzing cultural trends, church trends, and kind of synthesizing them, bringing them together, shedding new light on where we're at as a culture and as the church in this particular moment. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. So join us again. Thank you for listening uh, to Reading for a Change. And in the meantime, keep reading. Thank you.